X, and therefore a first-class feast within the society. It is, of course, a great day of rejoicing, a great day of solemnity, not just for the priests, the sisters, the religious of the Society of St. Pius X, but also for our Third Order members, whose numbers will grow today with a short ceremony after the credo of today's Mass. But also, all of you who have in any way attached yourselves to the society, seeking direction, seeking the sacraments, seeking the holy sacrifice of the Mass from the hands of our priests. It is a day to celebrate, a day to reflect, and yes, a day to imitate the virtues, the character, the holiness of our heavenly patron. Because the Church gives us the saints to serve as examples of heroic virtue. The Church gives us saints as examples to pattern our lives after. St. Pius X, of course, whose motto as the Vicar of Christ, the Pope, was to restore all things in Christ, speaks to us today by his life, by his example. And we are to take seriously the, the imitation of the life, the virtues of this holy saint, this great pontiff. Now, when we speak of the life of St. Pius X, the character, we could highlight a whole host of virtues. St. Pius X was a man who loved poverty, who lived a spirit of poverty, detachment from the things of this world. For this holy saint, union with God was enough for him. He needed nothing else than to commune with his God, with his Lord. Our saint was a kind man. He had a marked kindness, a generosity, a goodness about him. He was a simple man. He was not, in a sense, a promoter of self. He simply wanted to live the gospel. He simply wanted to live the life of Christ. He was a strong man who fought for the honor and glory of God, who fought for the rights of Holy Mother the Church, and yet always a paternal man, a fatherly man, someone who we could go to in our time of need. But as I said, he is our patron mainly because he was a great pontiff, a great defender of the Church. And so if we're going to imitate, if we're going to learn from the life of St. Pius X, we must look at his pontificate, the major accomplishments, the major focal points of his time as the vicar of Christ here on earth in order to pattern our lives after the example he teaches us. We might say that he had four major accomplishments during his reign as the Pope, during his reign as the vicar of Christ. The first great accomplishment was his codification of canon law. Now, up to the time of St. Pius X, the Church, of course, had many laws and many customs, many local customs, but there was not much order to it. There was not much um, unification. And so St. Pius X, wishing to bring order to all of these various customs and laws, wishing to unify and bring about a certain unification within the Church, began the work of codification of canon law until finally, in the year 1917, is issued the Code of Canon Law. Now, what should we learn from this great work of Pope Pius X? 
The lesson we learn is to put order in our lives, to unify our lives, that the follower of Christ must have a certain order in his soul. That is the only way we will find peace, the only way that we will truly find happiness, is if we order our souls, if we order our lives, if we unify all of our actions in our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, we often define peace as the tranquility of order. If we want to have peace in our souls, peace in our lives, we must learn how to order our souls, order our lives. We order our minds by studying. You students, you're beginning a new school year. How you are going to find peace, how are you going to be happy as students? It is by ordering your mind, seeking after truth, loving the truths that are presented to you. And that begins even with the tiniest children, our kindergarten students, our first graders, our second graders, all the way up to the oldest students. We must have a love for the truth. We must seek to always order our minds toward the truth and then live according to the truths that we learn. We put order in our hearts by practicing a real spirit of devotion, always putting our Lord first, always making sure that our Lord Jesus Christ is the king and center of our hearts. We put order in our wills, submitting our wills to our authority. For you students, submitting your wills to your teachers, submitting your wills to your parents. For us as adults, submitting our wills to our superiors, and ultimately submitting our wills to divine providence, accepting God's will as it has manifested to us. And then we put order in our actions, making sure that everything we do is directed to our last end. Everything we do, we do in order to please God, we do in order to save our souls. We do in order to fulfill our duty of state. This is how we will find peace and happiness as students, as teachers, as parents. We seek to put order in our lives, order in our souls. The second great accomplishment of St. Pius X's papacy was the reformation of church music. Now, at the time of St. Pius X, the music, even performed in church, what we would call sacred music, was being profaned by a certain operatic approach to music, a certain promotion of self. Men and women had forgot that true music, true sacred music, should be prayer. It should lead the soul to the contemplation of God. It should raise the mind and the heart of those who hear that music to think about God, to love God more. It should inspire one to pray. And so in order to correct these abuses that had crept in over time, St. Pius X very much promoted the use of Gregorian chant in the liturgical functions, in the Mass, to once again promote the divine office, the attendance at the divine office. He saw very clearly that music can be a great means of lifting one's mind and heart to God, that it truly should be a prayer. And that's why when we assist at a beautiful sung mass, a beautiful solemn high mass like today, we should be motivated by the beautiful chant of the church to pray, 
to think about God and to lend our voices in union with the scholar, with the chanters, with the priest, with the faith, the, our rest of the rest of the faithful, to lend our voices to sing the praises of God. The lesson we should, we should learn from St. Pius X in this great accomplishment is a love for beauty, a desire to lift one's mind and heart, to love beautiful music and beautiful things, to more and more detach ourselves from the vulgarity, the ugliness of today's world, the ugliness of modern music, which is just the opposite of raising one's mind and heart to God. Modern music distracts us from the service of God. We should learn to love beautiful music. We should learn to love beautiful art and beautiful things that help us to contemplate the things of God, to stand for beauty and dignity, the dignity of a child of God, the dignity of a follower of Christ. The third great accomplishment of St. Pius X's papacy was the introduction of early and frequent reception of Holy Communion. Again, at the time of St. Pius X, many abuses had crept in. Children were receiving their first Holy Communion, sometimes as late as 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, already having to undergo so many of the temptations of the world without the, the help the aid of our Lord's precious body and blood. But what's more, even adults were receiving communion very infrequently, sometimes only two or three times a year, because they felt they were not worthy to receive, that only the perfect could receive our Lord's precious body and blood. And St. Pius X, wisely seeing the necessity for receiving our Lord, the necessity of being united with our Lord, Encourage souls to receive communion frequently, even daily, because we need that. Holy communion is not just a reward for the perfect, it's a remedy for the sinner. It helps us in our battle against temptation, against trial, against sin. We need our Lord Jesus Christ to dwell within us. And what's more, St. Pius X understood very clearly our Lord's great love for little children, his great desire to be united with the little ones, these innocent, beautiful souls. And so he lowered the age of the reception of First Communion to the age of reason, so that these precious souls, precious in the eyes of God, could experience that intimate union with him. These precious souls could receive the help they need to fight temptation when they're at such an innocent age such a vulnerable age. From this great accomplishment, we should learn to have a great love for the Holy Eucharist, a great desire to receive our Lord's precious body and blood. Each of us who receives Holy Communion, perhaps every day, but certainly at least once a week, should reflect on the love that we must carry with us to the communion rail, the desire to truly let our Lord transform us to become what we eat, to become other Christs. And our greatest joy, our greatest love, should be the time that we spend in Mass, united to our Lord's sacrifice on the cross. Our greatest desire should be to receive our Lord with the greatest attention, the greatest devotion, the greatest love, 
so that he might truly transform us into his image and likeness. And then finally, the last great accomplishment of, our, of St. Pius X's papacy was his great battle against modernism. It is one of the great reasons why he is the heavenly patron of our, of our society. St. Pius X, who saw very clearly that modernism, this attempt to introduce the spirit of the world, to compromise the truths of the faith with the errors of the modern world, the errors of false religions, was the great synthesis of all heresies. It was the great attack, the final attack of Satan upon the church. St. Pius X, who so very clearly saw the modernist attempt to drag the church through the mud, fought vehemently against these attacks, and very publicly and very astutely brought out all of the errors of modernism in his great encyclical Pascendi. It is a great reminder, an exhortation to us to fight modernism, not just in society, but to fight modernism in each one of our own individual hearts. Because whether we want to admit it or not, or whether we like to admit it or not, each one of us, having grown up in this modern world, is in some way infected with modernism, in some way tempted toward modernism. And no matter how staunch a Catholic we may consider ourselves to be, no matter how staunch a traditional Catholic we may hold ourselves to be, we must be careful to fight the spirit of modernism within us. A spirit of modernism which manifests itself in a spirit of pride, thinking that we know better than our superiors. For you children, thinking you know better than your parents, thinking you know better than your teachers. For you parents, thinking you know better than your superiors, whether in the workplace or even in the church, thinking you know better than the priests. For us priests, for religious, thinking we know better than our superiors. It is something that infects all of us, this spirit of pride. We must learn to curb that, to fight that, to understand, to know our role, to know that we are meant to humbly serve in the state of life that God calls us to, to cast off this spirit of pride, this spirit of thinking we know better. The spirit of modernism will manifest itself in a spirit of duplicity, of living a double life, wanting to divorce our spiritual life from our secular life, behaving ourselves in one way in church or at school, and then behaving completely different when we, don't, when we think our parents or our teachers are not looking, when we think that the priests are not aware of what we're doing, when we think that our Lord is not watching us. This spirit of duplicity, of wanting to live a double life, is a spirit of modernism that we must fight. Our lives must be open books. We must behave the same way in church as we behave at home, as we behave out in public. We are followers of Christ at all times. Let us carry ourselves in such a manner. And finally, the spirit of, the, of modernism which is the spirit of the world, a worldliness, a worldly spirit of wanting to be like the rest of mankind, of wanting to fit in with this very immoral, immodest 
ungodly world, this very selfish world, this very self-centered world. We are not meant to be like the rest of men. We must carry ourselves as sons and daughters of God. We must carry ourselves as loyal followers of Christ. That's how we will fight the spirit of modernism. As I said, my dear faithful, today is a glorious day for us to celebrate. It is a glorious day for us to pattern our lives after our heavenly patron. St. Pius X very clearly tells us by his life, by his papacy, that we must restore all things in Christ, that we must put Christ in the very prime place of our hearts, that we must seek Christ in everything we do, that we must seek to be like Christ in everything we do. This is how we will give proper honor, proper praise of our heavenly patron, to put order in our lives, to love beautiful things, to desire union with God through the Eucharist, and to fight the spirit of modernism, the spirit of the world within us, to truly restore all things in Christ. Let us pray to St. Pius X then, during the rest of this Mass, during the rest of this day, during the rest of our lives, that we may truly restore all things in Christ, in society, in our families, and in the very depths of our hearts. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.